0: we get into today's lesson, let me just remind you of some things we said last week. We said that mercy is not getting what I deserve. Oh, hallelujah. I think I'm the happiest about that. But mercy also means to what? To have compassion, kindly forbearance, benevolence, especially towards someone in my power. We talked about that last week. That mercy really reveals the acts of God's love toward us. We said that truth reveals my need, but mercy provides for its answer. So that whatever I need, God's mercy is there because, you know, It's not easy to identify a problem, but sometimes it seems very hard to have the solution, doesn't it? But God's Word not only reveals truth, He is truth, but He also is a God of mercy. We're talking about the mercy of God, that mercy provides for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And today we're going to be talking about the fruits of mercy, that mercy produces some things. When we embrace God's mercy, when we believe in in that mercy that God extends to us, it produces, it has fruits in our life. And you know, it is said that a person can live 12 days without sleep, 6 days without water, 6 minutes without oxygen. But I wonder how long can a person live without any hope. You ever been there? Faced a hopeless situation? It's that place where the mental and emotional walls of your life, you know, you ever seen those movies, you know, where people are trapped and the walls start moving in like this? That's the way it can feel when you're in a hopeless situation. Almost can feel like you're suffocating. But there is a remedy, there's an answer for you, and it is the mercy of God. Today we're going to look at some of the mercies, fruits of mercy, and hope is one of them, but also trust and confidence are two other of the fruits that we're going to look at today. And I want to pose this question to you. Have you given up on something in your life, a relationship, might be a dream that you had that God had given you for your life, you felt like this was God's destiny, God's life path for you. it, it just looks like everything come against it. It, it. It's not happening. It didn't happen. It's not going to happen. You, it's real easy to, to begin to feel hopeless. Maybe there's a healing in some area of your life that you need, whether it's physical or emotional or, or maybe in a relationship again, something there. But you need to embrace God's mercy and learn to live again. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you do have your Bibles, and I hope you do, hallelujah, Maybe you got them on your phone there or your your tablet if you brought that. But let's look in Psalm 130. We're going to begin reading there. The mercy of God. The everlasting mercy of God. You know, there are three fruits of this mercy, as we mentioned. And those are hope, trust, and confidence. But here in verse 7, the psalmist is writing and he said, O Israel, but we could say this, O Passion Church, hope... In the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. Mercy. Now, we know and we we talk about this here in the kingdom principle here at Passion Church. We believe in that and that is sowing and reaping. Isn't that right? It's true in the natural. It's true in the spiritual realm. It's true in relationships that we, we reap back what we sow. So here's the thing. I'd much rather reap mercy than judgment, hadn't you? Man, oh yeah. So he said, hope thine God. He says here, he says, for with the Lord there is mercy. And with Him is abundant redemption. Always associated with God is mercy. And associated with mercy is redemption. I'm so glad God's in the redeeming business, the redemption business. That He he was so committed to His mercy. He was so committed to redeeming our life, my life, your life, that He sent His Son, Jesus, the very embodiment and expression of God's mercy. And He says, "You, you know, that's the basis for our hope. It's not my circumstances. It's not what has happened in my life up until now. It's not all my past, whether it be good or bad or checkered or whatever. But he said, hope in the mercy of God now. God's mercy, we looked at it last week. God's mercy is brand new every day. Oh, hallelujah. No used mercy with God. I don't care how much mercy you use today, tomorrow, God's going to roll out some brand new mercy for you and for your life, for your family, for your children, for our nation. You know why I don't give up on our nation? Because I'd have to give up on the mercy of God. I'd have to give up on my hope in God. And I'm just not going to do that. How about you? (laughs) So let's talk about hope. You're right there. Turn back a few pages, back to your left there, to Job, the book of Job 14. I want to read a scripture here. This scripture just really struck me as we're talking about hope, that life, by the mercy of God, hope can come to us, and life can start brand new. I don't know about you, but I've needed a few new starts, restarts in my life. I wish I could say, you know, my life has just been, you know, but it's a couple of y'all nodding your heads, you know what I'm talking about. Say, not you, Pastor. I thought pastors were perfect, Well, where'd you get that from? Where's that scripture at in there? If you show me a scripture in there, I may have to resign. But life can start a new. Listen to this. Verse 7. I'm reading from the New King James Version. He said, For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. This is the hope and the mercy of God. Maybe you've had a setback. You ever felt like you were a stump rather than a tree? The Bible talks about it in Psalm 1, it says we are trees planted by the rivers of living water that we bring forth our fruits and our leaves in its due season. But have you ever felt like a tree cut down? Maybe the wind blew you over. The winds of circumstance of life blew you over, whatever it may be. But he says, because of our hope in the mercy of God. He said, even if a tree is cut down, there's hope, what? That it can sprout again. You know, God is a God not only of life, but of resurrection life. You know, next week is Easter. And we talk about, you know, resurrection life. It is the, the uniqueness of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the resurrection. The resurrection. That out of death, life can come again. And whatever has happened in my life, in your life, he said, if we will believe and let hope arise because of the mercy of God. Not because I've got it figured out and I've got all the answers and I've promised God, you know, 15,000 times I'm going to do better. That's not where my hope is. My hope is in the mercy of God. That in His mercy, in His love, in His power, He can change my heart. He can change my life. He can change my circumstance. A new life can start. We're talking about the fruits of mercy. The fruits of mercy. And also that our mind can know peace again. Look over in Romans 15, over in the New Testament there. Have you ever been up late at night because you couldn't sleep? Your mind was racing about stuff? (laughs) Boy, I have. I said, I have. Oh, not you, Pastor. Yes, me. Be up late at night because I'm praying and I'm thinking, God, I need help. (laughs) I need help. You ever needed help? Whatever it is that God's called you to do, you need help doing it. If not, maybe maybe, maybe it's not what God called you to do because usually I've found out over the years when God calls us to do something, it's bigger than we are. I said, it's bigger than we are. Man, I never had God ask me to do something I felt I could do. Cindy knows she lives with me. <laughs> Oh man, I'll be up late night praying. Oh God, (laughs) you got to help us. You got to help the people of passion. We gotta, we gotta do what you called us to do. Be who you called us to be. So whatever, whatever it is, but you know what? Because of the mercy of God, because we hope in God, we can have peace. In Romans fifteen, there in verse thirteen, Paul is praying. He said, "Now may the God of all hope fill you." With joy and peace in believing. Now, I want to stop right there. Because that is the linchpin for us. We have to believe in the mercy of God. Now, I don't know about you. Probably you've never messed up really big. But, boy, I'm telling you. when I've, I've made a few mistakes. And I'm being generous to myself. Well, I've made a few mistakes in life. And you know what? It's really easy for those things to talk to you, isn't it? Man, 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 you, you messed up. You messed up big time. You messed up in a relationship. You messed up in and, and, making a step that you shouldn't have made or doing something that you shouldn't have done. And man, I'm telling you, that voice, that little voice in your head, Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, that thing. Yakety, 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 yak. You're no good. You're not going to make it. God don't love you no more. You know, that's when we have to believe in the mercy of God. That's when we have to embrace, and we have to do it by faith, because I'm telling you, your feelings are like, man, you know, let's just go out back and eat some worms, because, you know, it's all bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? A few of y'all laughing, you must know what I'm talking about. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You know, believing is not about how I feel. I, I know I've learned that through the years. Oh, my gosh. Feelings can be up and down. Isn't that true? Man, I, I, you know, I can go to bed at night. And man, I'm on top of the world. You know what I mean by that? Man, every, I just, man, everything's good. My feelings are good. Everything's good. I mean good. Man, you know, even the dog liked me today. Man, everything's going good. Now, you know, sleep good, get up the next morning, and man, you can just feel like, oh, I don't even want to go to work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's the way feelings are, though. They're, they're just all over the place, aren't they? The least thing can just, you know. Maybe you're in the service industry, you know, and, and you're, you're waiting on people, and you're being as nice as you could, and somebody just says something to you that's just... Mm-hmm. Ah, man, your whole day's gone. That's when we need to believe <laughs> and hope in God's mercy. And he said if we do, we'll have, he will fill us with joy and peace so that you can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't live our lives in the power of our emotions but in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who helps us. But see, the linchpin is this. All we have to do is believe. We don't have to feel a certain way. But, you know, we believe, we hope in the mercy of God. And because of that, he says, God will see to it that we're filled with hope, with peace, with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, oh man. I'll take some of that. Amen. Our mind can know peace. Healing can be ours because of the mercy of God. Look over to to Mark. I'm so glad that God's in the healing business. He's concerned about healing our spirits. That has to do with our relationship with God and forgiveness of sin. He wants to restore that relationship back between us and God. But he also wants to heal our emotions. Are you listening? The, but we've all been, anybody ever been rejected? Oh, my gosh, man. If they were giving out trophies for people being rejected, we'd all be carrying around big ones, wouldn't we? You know, I've told you before, I've been criticized by experts. You know, I've been in the ministry 35 years. I've gotten my share of criticism. Some of them by experts. You know what I mean by experts. That's, I mean, they, some people, you know, they're so critical, you think they must be how they make their living. <laughs> they're so good at it. They can point out what's wrong with me, you, <laughs> everybody, you know. But God's interested in healing that. And, you know, all of us, we've suffered rejection. We've, we've, we've been wounded. We've been hurt. We've been let down by people. Come on. And our biggest wounds usually are from those that are closest to us. Because those we love, man, those are the ones that can really wound us, can't they? God wants that to be healed. That's part of God's healing we're talking about. But you know, I'm so glad God's also the healer of our bodies. God wants us to be well. God wants us to have wholeness in our spirit, soul, and our body. I want to give, this is an incidence about healing in body, but it exemplifies the mercy of God. And I, I think we can all relate to it, whether you need healing in your body or maybe healing in some other area. And we're here in Mark 10, and we're going to read there in, uh begin reading in verse 46. It says, Now they came to Jericho. Now this is Jesus. He's got his 12 disciples. He's got... Uh, Five women that are following along that are cooking for him. Don't you know that was a story to be told? (laughs) Now, what in the world is this itinerant preacher going around? He's got some fishermen. He's got some tax collectors. He's got all these people that are the outcasts of society that are walking around with him. He's going around preaching and everything. And on top of that, five women are cooking for them. Did you hear about that? We get, we can get so religious, can't we? Oh, yeah, that's in the Bible. Look it up. I'm not even going to tell you where it is. You go look it up. It's in there. Boy, you know that caused a stir. Woo! <laughs> I, just, I like to shake up our religious tree every now and then, you know. And on top of that, thousands of people were following him to hear what he had to say, to experience the, the miracles of meeting needs in their lives. They were needy, just like you and I. And man, I mean, everywhere he went, and you can imagine, this was a commotion coming through town. It says, now they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging Well, you know, his circumstances weren't good. Not only was he blind, he was poor. He was begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, says he began to cry out. We get, well, man, we get all nervous. Everybody gets loud in the church nowadays, don't we? You ain't never been needy. I said, You ain't never been needy. I am. I'm trying to. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then all the church people, I mean, many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. Don't you like this guy? I like him. I like him. Son of David, have mercy on me. Boy, I like this next one. I tell you, somebody else liked it too, Jesus. It says, so Jesus stood still. Evidently, Jesus was headed somewhere, wasn't he? He didn't do anything without a purpose, did he? Every day, he knew exactly what the Father wanted. And every day, he did exactly what the Father showed him. Isn't that what he said? He said, whatever the Father says, he says, that's what I tell you. Whatever the Father shows me, he said, that's what I show you. So here's Jesus on his way, doing the Father's business, the Father's will. He's got all this entourage, all this crowd following with him. And one man who had a faith in the mercy of God, caused Jesus to stand still. And all of Jesus' focus in that moment was on Bartimaeus. Wow. We're talking about the mercy of God. You say, yeah, but that was Bartimaeus. Yeah, well, what did Bartimaeus, what could Bartimaeus do for Jesus? He was poor, so he wasn't going to support his ministry, was he? He was blind, so he really wasn't going to help out too much in other areas, was he? He threw himself completely over on the mercy that was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called. wee Then the then they, same people that told him to shut up called the blind man. See, that's how fickle people can be, isn't it? One minute they're telling you to shut up, and the next minute they say, oh, pat you on the back. <laughs> saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling for you. Well, I got news for him. He wouldn't have called for him if Bartimaeus hadn't first called out first. You want Jesus to single you out and call you out, you need to call on him first. Believe in his mercy. Call upon him. And throwing his garment aside, he rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. You know what? That is a question that Jesus is still asking every one of us. What do you want me to do for you? Well, I don't want much. Okay. See, those same people that say that a lot of times, they go complaining about how little they have. You know, he didn't ask Jesus to give him a guide dog. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not what he asked for, was it? The blind man said to him that I might. Receive my sight. Listen, the mercy of God wants to meet the need in your life. We need to be like Bartimaeus, he had that audaciousness of just believing. In the goodness, in the mercy of God that was in Jesus. And he said, Lord, I don't want a guide dog. I don't want somebody, a helper to help me find my way around. I want to receive my sight. What do you want? What do you need? Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Don't you know? Can you imagine? You think about it. It doesn't tell us how long this man was blind. Maybe he was blind from birth. But he was a grown man. He had been blind for all that time. And all of a sudden, you have the audacity to believe in the mercy of God and cry out to Jesus. And now you've received your sight. You better know you follow him in the way. In the way, out of the way, around the way, every way. Isn't that right? Healing. All the way too. I like that. That's right. So that's what, what hope. We're talking about the fruits of mercy. The second one is trust. Trust. God wants to bring about a restoration of our life. Back over in Psalm again, Psalm 52. How you doing out there? You still with me? We're talking about the mercy of God, the mercy of God. Not getting what I deserve, but also the compassionate outflow of God to build hope, to build trust, to build confidence in who He is and what He desires to do in our life. God wants us to be whole people. You know what? That's all. He created us to be whole, and He wants to bring wholeness back to us. He wants us to be whole people. And, you know, I wish I could say, you know, it would be wham, bam, one prayer, and you're everything. But it's a process, isn't it? It's a process. And usually, the process runs according to what? The speed of our willingness to open up in faith and believe on. The mercy and the goodness of God. <clears throat> in Psalm fifty-two, he says here, "But I am like a green olive tree. Here's that tree again, in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever." The restoration of a life. You know, in Romans two eight says this. It says, "Don't you know?" That it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance? You know, what repentance is, is this. We're all walking away from God in our lives. Until what? We embrace the goodness and the grace of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and we turn around and come back home. Remember the, remember the parable Jesus gave about the prodigal son? Remember that? See, he had two sons. The younger son, when he got up a certain age, he said, Father, go ahead and give me my inheritance. You know, he had it all figured out. He just knew he was smarter than Dad. Just give it to me, Dad. I'm, I'm going to go out and make my way in life. I can make it. I can do it. Man, you know, I'm a younger generation. I can do it. I remember when I was young, it's amazing, man. That, you know, when I reflect back on my younger years, I was incredibly smart in those days. Man, I had it all figured out, Brother Bruce. I was smart, man. The older I've got, man, I'm the, the less smart I am. <laughs> Some of you young folks don't understand that, but you will one day. But remember the young son, he said, give me what's mine. Anybody remember the story? And it says he went out to make his way in life, to make his way in life. But, you know, in the process of time, he didn't make such good decisions. You ever made a bad decision? And he had a reversal of fortune to the point that he was eating out of the pig trough. And he says, one day, he came to himself. That's all repentance means. It says he came to himself. What does it mean? All of a sudden, he had a realization. You know what? What am I doing eating the slop when Father's house is available to me? He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn around, and here I'm going back to Father's house. And he says, I'm just going to throw myself on the mercy of Daddy. He remembered, Daddy's got mercy. And he said, you know, now he didn't aim too high. He said, if I just, I'll just tip, look, just hire me back like a servant. Because a servant in Daddy's house has got it better. Hello? What did the psalmist say? I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than to rule and reign in the tents of the wicked. Hold oh, me. I'm about to have a fit. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's all he's talking about. He returned and walked, when, he, when he got, you know, just close enough for somebody to see him, guess who saw him? Oh, yeah. And it said, Dad ran to meet him. And he didn't have a big old club in his hand. Wham! I told you, didn't I? <laughs> oh, God. Like some people I know, that's the way they would have met you. You know? With an I told you so club. But, I mean, he, Daddy didn't even let him get through his speech. He was trying to get through the speech. And I mean, Daddy was done hugging him and kissing him and everything. He was telling, bring a robe. Bring a ring. Uh, Come on. Let's throw a party. Mm -mm. Forgiveness is ours. Forgiveness is ours. In Luke 7. Y'all getting anything out of this? This is the message We should be telling people out there God loves you. God's rich in mercy. God's not mad at you. God's not out to get you except in a good way. Isn't that right? He's out to put his robe of righteousness on you, to put a ring of sonship on you, to just throw a party. Because he's just crazy about you. (laughs) 7.36. We're talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Everybody needs it. I said everybody needs it. From the most religious to the worst sinner. You know, I talk to some Christians, I think sometimes they forget where they came from. You know? You almost think they did God a favor, you know? Listen to this. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought in an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood at his feet behind him weeping, she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, kissed his feet and anointed him with fragrant oil. Can you imagine something like that happening in church? Ooh. Now when the Pharisees, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself, or within himself, you know, this man, if he were really a prophet, would know who and what man or woman this is, who's touching him, for she is a sinner, and we ain't having nothing to do with no sinners. <laughs> I added that, but that's might as well what you say. Jesus said this, he said, he said, I didn't, he said, I wasn't called to everybody that's got it all together. He said, I'm called you know, not to those who are well, but to those who are sick. I mean, these are the very people God had called Israel to, the sinner. Let's don't forget that passion, church. Don't forget where we came from. Don't forget where you came from. Man, for me, this summer will be 41 years. So I've been saved, but you know what? I still remember what God did for me. I don't ever want to forget it. You know? There was a song that said, you know, he saves, or scripture says that God's able to save to the uttermost. And I added this, I said, God can also save from the guttermost. Because I was one of those in the guttermost. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. He said to him, you've rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, which was customary. It was. He says, but she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her oil. You gave me no kiss, which was also customary. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not uh, anoint my feet with fragrant oil, which was also customary. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. You see this Pharisee? Maybe he thought he was even superior to Jesus, so he wasn't going to touch Jesus either. He wasn't going to wash his feet. He wasn't going to anoint him with oil. He wasn't going to do the things that would normally be associated with showing respect and value to somebody visiting my home in his culture. It's almost like, "I'm, I'm doing you a favor here, Jesus. So what? He loved little, didn't he? Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that interesting? No big fanfare. He didn't tell her, now I want to tell you what. You take 10 laps around the Mediterranean. Climb the Atlas Mountains. And then maybe, maybe I'll forgive you. No, he just said, you loved much. Therefore, your sins are forgiven. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, church... We make it so hard for people to get to God. But the Bible, my Bible tells me that God did all the hard work in His Son, Jesus Christ. That the wall, the barrier that separated us, He tore it down. He jumped, as it were, through all the hoops for me because I could never do it. Isn't that right? So this woman who most... Scholar says, was probably a prostitute, an outcast, looked down on, ridiculed. Think of the courage it took for her to come into that house. Sometimes it takes great courage to come to Jesus and just say, you know what? I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I do need help. I need mercy. It takes courage, doesn't it? Pride wants to say, ah. especially at church, I got it all together. Ain't asking nobody for prayer. Lord of God. But it takes humility to come to God and say, I need mercy. I need your mercy. Hmm? Resurrection of a dream. Hope out of hopelessness. This is what mercy brings. The Bible says about Abraham, it says That when it looked like the promise of God, the dream that God had given him for a son, it was an impossible situation. Yeah, God had given him a promise, but now 20 some odd years had gone by, nothing. Well, God, I thought you said. God, I thought you promised me. God, I thought you showed me. Anybody ever been there? Five years go by, and 10 years go by, and 15 years go by, and 20 years go by. And it says of Abraham, it said, when hopelessness come knocking, hope answered the door. It says, uh, when all was hopeless, he said, in hope he believed. What? In the mercy of God. And the goodness of God, that God would yet do exactly what He said He would do. Not because Abraham had it all together, not because Abraham had done everything just right, but because of who God is. God is love. And He's full of mercy. You know, next week, especially, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ but it's not just an historical event that we as Christians celebrate it's because we have experienced that resurrection life because of his mercy and his grace we have experienced that in our lives and really daily we experience that resurrection gift in our life don't we The peace, the joy, the forgiveness, the mercy that we need as we walk out this thing called the Christian life. So it's not just a historical event that we're going to be celebrating next week. Uh, That's part of it. But we're celebrating the the mercy and the grace and the power of God to bring resurrection to our lives, to our dreams, to our hopes, to, to our future. That's what it's all about. We have confidence because of God's mercy. Finally, we have confidence. I want to read you something here out of the book of uh, Jonah. You know over there where Jonah is. It's in page 1084 of my Bible. It's right after Obadiah. Does that help you? (laughs) Thanks a lot, huh? (laughs) Listen to this. Real quickly, I've got to close. Confidence in times of trouble, and and we can have confidence because of God's mercy. You ever made a bad decision, boy? I wish I could say I just made one. I'd feel like I could go to the head of the class. <laughs> but if you've ever made one, maybe a big one. This was Jonah. Jonah had called God to do something for him, and Jonah just decided, you know what? I don't want to do it. I know nobody here has ever said that to God. But Jonah made a bad decision. He said, I'm not going to do it. So he ran from doing what God called him to do. So he decided, you know, he was going to get away from God's purpose for his life. So he jumped on a boat, first available boat out of town. And so he's taken off, and he's on this boat. And you know the story, they run into a storm. And you know, I've made some wrong decisions and ran into a storm. I've done that before. Not running from God, but just making a bad decision about something. And you know the story, they, they, they fought against the storm and fought against the storm, but they saw it wasn't going to prevail. And Jonah says, the only way you're going to get some peace is you're going to have to throw me overboard. Just a sign though here. Sometimes, figuratively speaking, you're going to have to be thrown overboard. Your will, your pride, come on, you're just going to have to throw it overboard. You're going to have to throw yourself over on God. Because when, when Jonah was thrown out of this ship, he, he was thrown onto to the mercy of God, wasn't he? I mean, being thrown out of a ship in the middle of a storm in the middle of the sea is not my idea of a solution. But that's the one they came up with. And so on top of that, I mean, you ever had one of those days where things just weren't going your way? Not only did he hit a storm, not only was he thrown out of the, out into the middle of the ocean in the sea, but, I mean, and sinking down to the depths of the sea, then he swallowed up by a big fish. Talk about your day going bad. Man, it's one of those days where you just should have stayed in bed, right? So that's where we are with Jonah. We pick it up in verse 7. He said, when my soul fainted within me. He's in, see, he's in, the, he's in the belly of this big fish. I remembered the Lord. Has your soul ever been faint? Your emotions, your will, you just feel like, man, I can't take it no more can't take no more. One bad thing after another. This has slapped me down. That slapped me down. Life's hit me down. Jonah was at that place. He said, I remember the Lord and my prayer went up to you. Here's his prayer. He said, those who regard lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Life, circumstances that happen to us, they can also become the voice that's speaking so loud into our mind. Well, it's your fault. You did it. You made that decision. You shouldn't have done it. You should have done this. Look at you. You did it. You did it. It's your fault. You deserve to be here. This is exactly where you need to be. This is where you need. This is, that's what he's saying. He's saying they're like lying vanities. One translation, he says, they're like idols. You know what an idol is? It's anything that we set up higher in our life than God. See, some people, their fear has become an idol. They're more conscious of their fears than they are of God's mercy. Their hurts, their woundedness, their sickness has become an idol. Because I'm everlastingly aware of that more than I am of God's mercy. And he says, when you do that, when you allow something other than God to be first in your life, he said, you set it up as an idol and you have forsaken mercy. Because mercy says there is an answer, there is healing, there is peace, there is deliverance. But the idol says you've had it, it's over, you're no good. You deserve this. So let me help you out here. Some action points. Mercy gives us confidence. Even when I have missed it. Even when I have missed it. Now listen to these action points real quickly. Some things you can do. Put your hope and trust in God's mercy to bring life back to what is dead in your life. What what is dead in your life? God's mercy can bring it back to life. The tree that was chopped down can sprout again. And put forth branches. And bring forth leaves and fruit. Secondly, trust in God's mercy to bring restoration and forgiveness upon your life. Do you need forgiveness? If you don't today, I can guarantee you by tomorrow you will. You like the rest of us humans? Trust in His mercy. And then finally, look to God's mercy rather than your circumstances and allow your confidence in God's